Hello and welcome to Blunder Kitchen. Um, so we were kind of late on our season two launch because you know life happens. But I had this great Halloween episode planned, prepped, researched, and I didn't want to let it go to waste. So two episodes in one week. We're going to call this one a bonus, but it's not really a bonus. It's a regular scheduled episode, but not to worry. There will still be an episode next week. We don't want to, like, deviate too much from our usual because that's what keeps us comfortable. Anyway, um, really excited about our episode today. We're going to get into, as you might have guessed, candy. But first, some housekeeping right up top. Just a reminder, any recipes that you're looking for, any of our sources are all up on blenderkitchen.com. If you've got a suggestion for a show or you just want some of the cool graphics um, from this week's episode, hit us up on Instagram at blenderkitchen. And... I'm so happy to announce that we now have a coffee store. Um, As much as I wish that was a brick and mortar coffee shop, it's more of an online place. Um, ko-fi.com slash blender kitchen is our home for merch, uh, listener support, um, honestly, whatever we can come up with as time goes on. You guys are amazing. You're the lifeblood of this podcast, and we survive because of you, and also we exist for you. Like, I love nothing more than putting out content for you guys to listen to. Um, Honestly, it's the highlight of my week. But it's a little bit easier to do that with funds. So if you are able... We would be eternally grateful if you could consider buying Blender Kitchen a coffee. Now, the link for that um, will be on in our bio on Instagram for a little bit, but you can always find it at our home on BlenderKitchen.com. That's all for housekeeping, so let's dive in. I love candy. Um... I go through phases of what exactly I like, when exactly I like it, but candy is delicious. It's fantastic and it's amazing. But what is it? The official definition of candy is a sweet food made with sugar or other sweeteners that it's typically formed into small shaped pieces and flavored with chocolate, fruit, or nuts. In most of Europe, um, Candy is referred to as sweets, um, and in Australia, candy is for, referred to as lollies. Candy is also a verb, meaning to preserve fruits, nuts, etc., by coating and saturating them with a sugar syrup. And we will get into a little bit of the verb candy in this episode, but we're mostly focusing on the noun candy. There are a couple of different categories of candy. Hard candy, which is produced by um, cooking sugar at high temperatures. Soft candy, 
which is produced by cooking sugar at medium temperatures, and chewy candy, which is produced by cooking temperature at cooking sugar at low temperatures. Chocolate is also a type of candy, but depending on where you're from and what you're talking about, it could be a beverage or an entree. It's like multifaceted chocolate and we only briefly touch on it in this episode most of this episode is focused on hard candies so the word candy um kind of just rolls around your mouth much like a jawbreaker anyway it's pretty interesting so i wanted to find out where it comes from it looks like there are a couple of different sources there's um candy spelled q-u-a-n-d-i from arabic which literally means made of sugar but there's also the sanskrit word kanda um which you can trace into modern day english through the spanish azucar cande um which we would call sugar candy in english now, sweets also have their roots, their etymology history. Um, sweet meats used to be the word for candy, essentially. Not to be confused with sweet breads, which are actually a meat. Um, over time, sweet meat got uh, shortened to sweets. Um, and it remained sweets ever since, at least in Europe. Um, they were always associated with the dessert course because you had sweet foods during a dessert course. Um, somehow throughout, you know, the weirdness of language, sweets, um, became sweeties, which became associated with, like, goodness and turned right back around and fed into candy um bonbons it's literally just good good in french bonbon in in portuguese i believe that's portuguese no it's got a little rough there um but um in modern candy making candy was quickly associated with children and I think we kind of also think of that still today you know we have the phrase in English kid at a candy store which we're actually going to get into the origins of that in this episode but first we're going to take it way back all the way back to ancient India which is where candy as we might think of the beginnings of candy started in ancient India, the country or subcontinent India, um, ancient Indians made syrup and sugar by boiling sugarcane, which is indigenous to South and Southeast Asia. Um, they had been doing this for years, and between the 6th century BC and the 4th century BC, the Persians and the Greeks discovered that the people in India had what they called reeds that produce honey without any bees. Um, 
This confused Alexander the Great when he invaded India in 327, and he notated in his writings a similar sentiment about the reeds that have honey without bees. Um, the word sugarcane comes from the Sanskrit word sharkana, which is the Sanskrit word for sugar. Now, the candy that we did mention came by, um, there were pieces of sugar, essentially, I guess what we might think of sugar cubes, produced by boiling sugarcane juice. Um, it was then shaped into uh, animals or like miniatures of people. Um, when the Persians invaded India around 510 AD, they worked um, with the native Indians to export brown sugar to other civilizations, which it was then sold as a luxury item. However, when the Arabs invaded in 642 AD, and just as a reminder, this is the ancient world we're in, so that would be Arabs from Arabia. Um, anyway, when they invaded India, they uh, relieved the recipe from private ownership and spread it around the civilizations at that time. Uh, and that's basically how the recipe for creating sugar and sugar syrup from sugarcane became widely known. Now, when they, the uh, ancient Arabs that is, when they took the sugarcane, re the sugar recipe from ancient India, they improved upon it, as is a human's want to do. It's in our nature. And honestly, it's fantastic. The ancient uh, Arabs candied fruits and nuts in honey as an early form of candy. This is closer to what we might call candy and less and further away from what we might call a sugar cube. This practice of candying fruits and nuts in honey uh, can be found in other societies in the same time period, such as Egypt and ancient China. Ancient Arabs also invented caramel around 950 AD, but it was not the sweet treat we think of today. This was used more as a hair remover, which might sound odd, but is it any different than sugaring, which is another type of hair removal, which involves sugar? So ancient technique, we still use today. The uh, ancient Arabs also invented lozenges and marzipan. Um, in fact, they had many different types of sugar that were used as medicine. Um, sawbones, our old friends, well, I keep mentioning them because I think it's a fantastic podcast. I guess calling them friends would be a stretch. But anyway, Sawbones has a great episode on the history of lozenges. Um, and that would be episode 297. So check it out. Back to ancient Arabia. In ancient Arabia, the first sugar refinery ever was built on Candia Island. 
meaning Sugar Island. The ancient Greeks, as we said, used honey to make candied fruits and flowers, but they also made a, a syrup out of dates and figs. We've been looking for ways to sweeten our food clearly since the dawn of ages. Ancient Romans made sweets called dulcia, um, which is honestly just sweet in Latin. And candy shops were a thriving business in ancient Rome. They sold things like dates stuffed with almonds and stewed in honey. So less like gumballs and like easy things you might put in your pockets and more like a pastry shop. The ancient Egyptians used honey to make marshmallows as early as 2000 BC. They also kept bees in order to harvest the honey. Um, check out our Instagram at Blender Kitchen. Um, we're going to post the graphic um, of ancient Egyptians harvesting honey from bees. You can see it listed in a hieroglyphic in a tomb. Like, how cool is that? And also, how important to daily life it was that it was documented as a hieroglyphic and put in a tomb, presumably so that the person in the tomb would be able to take that knowledge with them to the afterlife. So clearly an integral part of ancient Egyptian life. In Papua New Guinea, the residents used sugarcane from as early as 4000 BC. Sugar made its way from the Far East to Europe via trade routes during the Crusades. And part of how we know this is because there are cave paintings from around 6000 BC in Spain depicting a man scooping honey from a beehive. Now, why is this important? Why are we talking about honey and sugar? Hang tight. I promise we're going to get to candy. So we've talked a lot about Europe and I am trying to make a more conscious effort to really make this a global podcast and uh, not just focus on America, which I do have a tendency to do just because, you know, I'm American and it's easier to pull on history that I've been, um, you know, around my whole life. So we, we didn't forget about America. Sweetening and sugar and ways of making candy were here simultaneously. Native Americans tapped trees for sap. Um, then they boiled the sap in clay pots to make maple syrup and maple sugar. When the Europeans came over to America, this maple syrup was hugely popular. Um, there pretty used to sugar at this point um well the rich were um because as we'll get into sugar was very much a class thing it was super expensive probably because it only grew in one part of the world at that time and had to be shipped very very long distances to get into the mouths and households of rich europeans um so when they uprooted and moved to a new continent, 
you can imagine that sugar was hard to come by. So they were really grateful of this way of sweetening foods using maple syrup. And in a lot of northern states, maple syrup still has like huge cultural significance. Hang tight to that idea of the popularity of sugar because we're going to circle back around to that and it's going to be unpleasant. Um, Mayans began chewing chicle from sapulia trees as a digestive or um, an aid to digestion after meals as early as the end of the 5th century. Around that time, the Olmecs were using coca to make a chocolate drink. Now, when Spaniards tasted it, um, Cortez was immensely impressed um, by this drink, uh, which the way he describes it, you might have thought the man was drinking coffee, um, but quite honestly, sipping chocolate is fantastic, and so I can I can relate. You know, I can in that the it, the taste is delicious. That's as far as I go. Um, but it wasn't sweet. It was more of a savory thing, um, and the Spaniards liked their sweets, so they were one of the first to introduce chocolate. Um, I misspoke. To introduce sugar into hot chocolate, making the hot chocolate that we think of today. So, how, you are asking yourselves, did we get from just straight up sugar used to sweeten things and coat things into candy? This is how. We start in the Middle Ages. Um, that's really around like the 13th century is really when we see candy coalescing and becoming this thing that we know of, know of it today. But it wasn't really a treat in, in the way we think of it today. Again, it was only for the wealthy because at that time only the wealthy could afford sugar, but it was, um, really used medicinally. Um, a combination of spices and sugars was used as a digestive. It was known as chamber spice and served at banquets. Remember, um, this is the time of the Black Plague. Um, refrigeration in even its most basic forms is not really widely used and people are constantly falling ill due to tainted food. So. Just like in our pepper episode, way back in season one, uh, we know that they were looking for ways of making the food not taste terrible because it was spoiled, but they were also looking for ways of easing their stomach pains once they had ingested the spoiled food. Um, uh, this idea of candy as medicine lasted well up until right before the Industrial Revolution. And in during the Industrial Revolution, candy really comes into its own. 
Now, remember how we said the colonists were so fond of sugar and sweetening their teas and their coffees? Well, we have come full circle because due to that popularity and the demand for it, Europeans began looking for a way of more cheaply acquiring sugar. And they thought the best method to do that would be to invade Caribbean nations and South American nations and force the people that live there to produce sugar. Yes, my friends, triangle trade rears its ugly head yet again. Um, I know that sometimes I can really, you know, dig down deep to remind everyone about the triangle trade and its horrors and its long-lasting effects, but it's important to remember a lot of the things that we enjoy today had honestly terrible beginnings. And it's important to, I feel, it's important to recognize those origins even as we enjoy them today. I think that's some of the best ways that we can... Pay tribute is not the right word, but offer honesty to the past. But on to lighter topics. The first modern candies appeared during the 16th century. We don't really have a lot of details about it, so it's probably easy to guess. I'm going to say that they were more of a hard candied type because we did a lot of our cooking by boiling and when you boil sugar, you produce a hard candy. Like other candies too, but the type of boiling. Um, If you'll... For our loyal listeners will think back to our stew episode, there is usually a pot going that's low, slow heat, perfect for chewy candies. But also, if you're boiling sugar right away and then taking it out, you're going to get a hard candy. Also, I feel that hard candies probably would have been more popular as they were way easier to store and picked up less, you know, dirt and lint and whatnot just from bouncing around. In the 17th century, we definitely had boiled sugar candy, and this was definitely a hard candy. One of the oldest candies was a barley sugar candy made of barley grains. And I feel like it probably tastes like one of those little root bear barrels, you know? Or like maybe nothing like that. But in my mind, that's what I wish it would taste like, and so that's what I've decided. Sweets manufacturing really picked up during the 19th century. Rock candy was invented sometime in the early 1800s entirely by accident by a Scottish hard candy maker. The most drastic change came in the 1830s, which is when we see a lot of invention of machines and a pickup of mass manufacturing, which was great for candy because it used to be this all-consuming, incredibly difficult task. 
And with the aid of technology, it became easier and easier for less and less people to have to be involved in the production of candy, which means more of it could be produced. And with more of it being produced, the cheaper it became. A Dutchman invented the first hard chocolate candy, what we might call the chocolate bar, or in America, the candy bar, in 1844. The Swiss came out with their own version not long after and are one of the preeminent chocolate makers today. In 1851, confectioners began to use revolving steam pans to assist in the boiling of sugar. This allowed them to um, distribute the heat more evenly so the candy or the sugar that they were cooking to make candy would burn less. It required less people. You only needed one to two people to man the pots. And you no longer had to continuously stir the pot. Again, that's a burning issue. The candy press was invented in 1847, and this made it possible to produce multiple sizes of candy at once. The candy press was also called a toy machine. I wasn't able to find exactly why that might have been, so if anyone is knows or like finds that out, drop us a line on Instagram. I would love to know. The increase in the popularity of candy and the increase in the complication of producing candy led, unfortunately, to the adulteration of foods by adding things that range from cheap corn syrup to actual poison. For example, arsenic trioxide was used to make candy look white. Now, Along with progress comes research, and research into the dangers of additives, as well as Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, really terrified people about what they might be ingesting. This led to the first food and drug legislation in the United States, known as the Pure Food and Drug Act. As well as research into the dangers of additives, we had more awareness of germs and the danger that they posed. That, in addition to a polio outbreak, increased the level of packaging. Um, prior to this, candy was boiled and then dropped on wax paper and then, you know, put into a box or a cart and sold by the handful. And when this came out, more people were looking for better ways of packaging. Now, some stores did sell their candy in glass jars, but those are really expensive and they didn't really have a lot of people traveling between them. So the process of packaging candy in wax paper or cellophane was huge because now everyone can have a hygienic candy experience. This method of wrapping became cheaper as technology improved. DuPont began to import uh, tinfoil and cellophane into the United States from France in 1935, and the deal was pretty much sealed from there. Um, fun fact, Necco of Necco Wafer Thamosity uh, was one of the first companies to package food nearly entirely without human touch. We 
go boldly forth into the 20th 20th century where all of the fun stuff that we think of candy today happens. Oh, before we move on, I nearly forgot. Kid in a candy store, right? Where did that come from? Well, kids used to work during the industrial age and they made money. And one of the first material things that children would buy was candy. A popular form of candy was called penny candy. It was literally candy that was sold for a penny. And because it was one of the only things that these children could afford um, to purchase on their own and make it their very own, candy shops became incredibly popular with children. And indeed made the candy industry uh I literally just forgot possible I cannot believe I forgot the word possible um anyway uh as time went on candy stores became entirely reliant on children to remain afloat that's not to say adults weren't eating candy but children were definitely the main consumers now, finally, into the 20th century. In 1904, Quaker Oats made a candy-coated puffed wheat-based cereal for the World Fair. They didn't continue to make such a cereal, but Post did, and we know them those we know that cereal today as Sugar Snaps. At the time that Post Post per who such a tongue twister. At the time that Post first came out with this cereal, it was billed as an entire meal replacement. There was this idea around this time that because candy was so high in calories, it was a great meal replacement. At least in the United States, this was the idea. Keep in mind, there was rampant poverty. People could not afford to feed themselves or their children. So with the very basics of nutrition, technology, and science that we were coming to, we, you know, thought you need calories to survive. Candy is mostly calories, therefore it must make a great cheap food replacement. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. But we'll get back into that when we discuss cavities. Uh, in the 1920s and 30s, candy bars sold for five cents and again were marketed as a lunch replacement. It's around this time that trick-or-treating actually begins. Prior to this, Halloween, because this is a Halloween episode, don't forget, Halloween was mostly more of like a harvest fair situation. Um, uh, more pumpkin picking and apple cider and less costumes and trick-or-treating. In World War One, the U.S. Army commissioned a number of American chocolatiers to produce 20 to 40 pound blocks of chocolate. These were then shipped to Army quartermaster stations and broken down into even smaller pieces and distributed to American soldiers across Europe. This was a morale booster. And also, remember, during this time, 
chocolate bars were seen kind of as an acceptable meal replacement, so there probably definitely was some talk about nutritional uh, needs of soldiers during that time. When the soldiers returned, they had this fondness for the chocolate bar, and it really allowed the chocolate bar industry to get up off the ground and gain popularity. In the 1940s, trick-or-treating really became widespread, but most Halloween candy was made at home. And trick-or-treaters didn't really get what you might consider treats. Um, cakes, fruits, uh, and straight-up money were often offered more often than candy. However, in the 1950s, as things began to industrialize and um, the advent of cook faster gadgets. There's got to be a better word for that, but that's all I've got. Um, really encouraged mostly housewives, but people in general, that they could save time on those boring domestic tasks by outsourcing them to corporations. And candy was one of those things that was seen as great to be outsourced. It was individually wrapped, it was super convenient, and this is where we see the uptake, uh, uptick of candy being offered as a Halloween treat instead of cake, and definitely instead of money. However, all of this came to a little bit of a screeching halt in the 1970s. All of this meaning cakes as a Halloween treat. Um, because there were stories of tainted Halloween candy floating around and it increased the number of people who preferred to give out commercially packaged candy because it was seen as safe. It was sealed somewhere else and you know that no one could have gotten to it. Now, these stories of tainted Halloween candy turn out to be patently false. The ladies at My Favorite Murder discussed this in their Halloween episode a couple years back, episode 143. It's a great listen. It really gets into the entire scandal, and I highly recommend it. Today, we recognize that candy is a food of very minimal nutritional value. Will it keep you from absolutely starving? Yes. But at what cost? One of the e most easily seen costs is cavities. Now, I always wondered, how is it that candy creates cavities? I never quite understood that because, as I said at the top of the show, I love candy. And I've always loved candy. I was a kid that definitely ate way too much candy. And I didn't have cavities until I was an adult through no fault of my own. Now, this is what happens. And scientists out there, please, please, please do write in and correct me if I'm wrong. There is a lot of bacteria in the human mouth, which is gross, but hang in there because it's going to get worse. Now, high sugar concentration introduced into a bacteria-rich environment with bacteria that love sugar 
such as the Streptococcus mutans, creates an environment with a lot of acid in it. What happens is the Streptococcus mucans, mutans and other sugar-loving bacteria eat the sugar, metabolize it, create acid, which then wears down the enamel of your teeth and allows other bacteria to get in, make a home, and, you know, call your tooth out. Call the cavity. Now, I do want to note that candy is not the only thing that does this. Fruit juice also does this. The most important thing is to brush regularly, and it can't help hurt to limit your candy consumption as well. But if you brush right after you have candy, that's also a great way of limiting the destructive properties of candy. In 1959, there was a Swedish dental campaign that encouraged people to reduce their risk of dental problems by limiting candy consumption to once a week. This idea was insanely popular and really caught on and led to the tradition of buying candy on Saturday called, and do pardon my Swedish, uh, Lodes Godis? That's the best that I've got. Anyway, it literally translates to Saturday candy. So, how delish. I'm going to take a super quick water break and then we'll dive into our recipe for this week. This week our recipe is homemade caramel apples. I used to have caramel apples every fall as a wee young lass growing up in the Midwest and man do I miss them. So I thought what better way than to create them at home. I have all the time in the world as we live quite literally only at home these days. So you'll need eight to nine cold apples, two cups of sugar, half a teaspoon of cream of tartar, one cup of water, a third cup of heavy cream at room temperature, three tablespoons of unsalted butter, also at room temperature, one teaspoon of vanilla, half a teaspoon of sea salt, and eight to nine skewers or candy apple sticks. Honestly, skewers are easily easier to come by. If you're feeling really bold, you can try and hold on to the stem, but honestly, you're going to want a stick. It makes this process a lot easier. In a large pot, Combine the sugar, cream of tartar, and water and set over a low heat to begin to boil. While whisk continuously until the sugar dissolves completely and the syrup is clear. If the sugar crystals begin to appear above the surface of the syrup, wipe down the sides of the pot with a damp pastry brush. When the sugar dissolves, clip a candy thermometer to the side of the pot make sure that the heat sensor is completely immersed in the syrup. Raise the heat to medium-high and bring to boil. Whisk the syrup until bubbles begin to form, then stop stirring. Continue cooking the sugar without stirring for an additional 10 to 15 minutes. 
if you see any crystals forming during this time, go ahead and wipe the sides of the pot down with that wet pastry brush. Once the sugar starts to caramelize, the syrup will begin to darken. This happens rather quickly. If it starts to darken more around the edges, lower the heat and use the candy thermometer to swirl the mixture around a little to keep the color even. When the syrup reaches 350 degrees Fahrenheit and is a dark, medium dark to dark amber color, remove it from the heat immediately, add in the heavy cream and butter, be careful of splashes, this is literally boiling sugar and will definitely give you a bad burn. Um, stir in the heavy cream and butter with a silicone spatula until the mixture is smooth. Return the pot to the stove and bring to a boil, Mix, mixing occasionally until it reaches around 248 degrees Fahrenheit. This should only take about a minute. Remove the pot from the heat, add the salt and vanilla, and stir. You're going to want to transfer this mixture into a slow cooker and set the slow cooker to warm. Rinse the apples with water and dry completely. Remove the stem and insert either the caramel apple stick or the skewer, whichever you're using. And you're going to want to stick that in about three quarters of the way into the apple. Line a large baking sheet with a silicone baking mat or foil paper. You can use parchment or wax if that's all you have available, but be forewarned that those uh, types of baking paper will stick a bit to the um, the apples. Dip the apple into the caramel, coating all sides. Lift the apple and let the excess caramel drip off. Place the finished apple on the baking sheet. Repeat until you're finished with all the apples. Now, you can eat this right away or you can wait until the caramel sets. That'll take about 45 minutes to an hour. If you want to add toppings, for example, some people insist on putting crushed peanuts on a perfectly good caramel apple, you're going to want to do that before the caramel sets. And that's really um, easy. You'll just roll the apple around in a bowl of your desired topping until it's well coated. So that's all I've got for this week. Thank you so much for joining us for our annual spooky season podcast. I figured I'd throw in a little bit of spook since there were no weird, creepy stories about turnips this year, unfortunately. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. You know, if you want to help us get up there in the charts and get more people to listen to us, like, rate, review us on your favorite podcatcher, or just tell a friend. Remember that you can find this, today's recipe and all of our research links on blenderkitchen.com. And if you've got a moment, head over to ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com slash blenderkitchen and consider, us buying, consider buying us a coffee. Until next time, bye!